0: Hi everybody, I am so excited to feature my former track coach, Ken Abney, on the podcast. He is someone that has made a tremendous impact on not only my life, but the lives of so many others. For over 20 years, Coach Ken led the United Stars Track Club of Philadelphia, consisting of 95% inner-city young Black women and 5% young white women. Over the course of his coaching career, he helped over 70 young athletes receive track scholarships to colleges and universities all over the country. Without Coach Ken, there's no way I would have had the opportunity to get into Penn to run track. And because of the circumstances and oppression of systemic racism, many of these young black women might not have had the opportunity to go to college and Coach Ken made it happen. I'm so honored to feature someone who has sacrificed so much of his personal time and energy for the good of all. Hope you guys enjoy. Welcome, Coach Ken, to High Five Success Stories Podcast. Okay. Super excited to have you here. Thank you. <laughs> and just so the listeners know, you coached United Stars Track Club for 30 years. Yes. Said. And my quick story with United Stars Track Club, um, I ran for Notre Dame Academy, and then in the summertime, I would train with you and the girls at yes. the club. Um, it was Monday through Thursday nights. Yes. Six to eight. On hot summer nights, we would practice at St. Joe's University's track. Yes. And it was grueling. Yes. <laughs>
1: I, I do admit, yes, it was real for for all of us, for the athletes and the coaches. And the coaches, too. yeah. Yes. yes.
0: Um, and then every Saturday in the summer, we had meets mostly within an hour of Philadelphia. And the main goal was to qualify for the Junior Olympics. Yes. Um, which, thankfully, I was able to do, um, I think it was like 2004 mm-hmm. when I was in Eugene, Oregon. Yes. Um, and that was a cool memory for me because when you qualify for events like that, you get the attention of college coaches. Yes. So I got my time, thankfully, down for the 800 meters, um, that's a half mile, two laps around the track, to two minutes and 15 seconds, which got me recruited to Penn.
1: Well, so. you keep saying 215. <laughs> I say 214. <laughs> Your dad used to say 212.
0: He used to say 208. So,
1: <laughs> so it was within that range. Yeah. But you came a long way from when you first started.
0: First started. Yeah. So you and the rest of girl of the girls really helped me find my... Potential and out of all the girls you coach, I think you said sixty receive scholarships.
1: We helped over sixty young ladies mm-hmm. receive scholarships to college from Division One, Division Two, and some it gone to Division Three schools. Okay. Yes, but over sixty young ladies. Yeah. Receive scholarships to universities all across the United States. Yeah. From University of Penn to Princeton, mm-hmm. Stanford, Clemson. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Number of schools. Florida. Yeah. I, I mean, Tennessee. I, I can name many schools. Many schools, yes.
0: yeah. It's really cool because without United Stars Track Club, a lot of these girls, including myself, would never have had the opportunity to go to these colleges. So I thank you for your tremendous time and energy you helped put into United Stars over those years. Thank you for coming out. (laughs) And um, one cool thing we talked about was that there was never an issue of racism at United Stars, too. Never. It was never, you know, I never felt uncomfortable. It was all all about who showed up and did the work.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And athletics and sports, Mm -hmm. when you're an athlete, When you compete in an athletic endeavor, it should never be about who you are, the color of your your skin. Mm -hmm. It's all about the competition of what you're doing. Okay. And it's trying to be better than whoever or whomever you're competing against. Mm -hmm. So with that, it doesn't matter... If you're black, white, Asian, mm-hmm. Hispanic, it, it doesn't matter. Mm. What matters is doing your best to try to be able to win mm-hmm. in whatever you're doing, whatever right. event that you're doing.
0: Mm-hmm. Those are hard practices, looking back. You mean,
1: you know, you <laughs> know, I, I mean, one of the reasons why our kids in our program
2: mm-hmm.
1: did so well is because pretty much we worked, Mm. outworked
2: everyone that
1: we were competing against. Mm -hmm. And my philosophy was that, you know, if you outwork your competition, nine times out of ten, you're going to beat your competition. Beat your competition. Yeah. You're ready to run.
0: Yeah. Would love for you to start out by telling us what it was like growing up in West Philadelphia. And in light of everything going on, did your parents, you know, grandparents, did they forewarn you of any of the struggles you may encounter as a black man?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I wouldn't say every day, but Mm -hmm. at different times of my life growing up as a kid, yeah, yeah, they were always, you know, on the watch Mm -hmm. for myself and my brothers. I I can remember...
0: How many brothers did you have?
1: I have two younger brothers. got it. And I was the oldest. But I remember one situation. I I was young. This was back in the mid-60s. And my grandparents, every summer, they would take a trip for the whole month of August Mm -hmm. going back down south. To visit their cousins and sisters and brothers and stuff like that. And... Where they lived in Greene County, Georgia, mm-hmm. it was it was the country, right? I mean, dirt roads and everything else mm-hmm. back in the '60s, and being a young kid and in the '60s and being in Georgia, going mm-hmm. to Georgia, it was it was an eye-opening experience,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you know they always used to, you know, tell me. You got to watch yourself watch what you do Mm -hmm. because down here it's not like up in in philadelphia Mm -hmm. pennsylvania right and watch who you talk to Mm -hmm. watch what you say yeah don't let yourself get caught out okay later you know late at night mm-hmm. which I was only a kid and yeah. I didn't do that anyway but, Right, you know they would always you know forewarn us mm-hmm. and they would make sure that we didn't do anything that we weren't supposed to do because okay. you know as a kid right, you know you, sometimes you forget and you do but you know they were always on us and made sure that you know we, we did what we were supposed what they told us to do got it okay. so we wouldn't put ourselves in a position to get in trouble. Got it. As a a young kid, you know, I was exposed to both worlds. Right. We would go down south for a whole month, and I would see how it was down south. A
2: lot different.
1: Yes. Okay. And then living in Philadelphia, Mm -hmm. you could see...
0: The differences. The
1: the differences in how people acted and how people treated you. Yeah. You know what was actually going on which for me that was a very good experience
2: yeah and then
0: going forward a little bit did you have to forewarn your two children about
2: you uh, know of, of course yeah you
1: know you, you always as a parent mm-hmm. the first thing that comes to mind when you have your kids is the safety of your kids right so you try to talk to them about all different types of situations mm-hmm. now granted it was a different time when they were growing up. Yeah. So it wasn't as volatile when I was growing up, mm-hmm. but still, you know, there's you still have to be aware of your surroundings. Yeah. And you you have to. I taught them that you have to understand that, you know, when you're dealing with the police and you're dealing with people from a from, you know, different races that, you know, they might not think the same way that you think. Right, right, right. So you have to, you know, have an understanding that, yeah, you don't want anything to escalate. Right. So you have to, you know, have yourself always calm and, you know, aware of what's going on.
0: Right, right, right. Moving on a little bit, when did sports become a part of your life? Well. Track and field.
1: Actually, sports for me has been part of my life all my life. Yeah. Since I was a kid, okay, I mean, growing up in in the streets of Philadelphia, mm-hmm. all we did was play sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, we played tackle football in the street.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That that that'll make you tough, right, right, right. I mean, as far as track is concerned, before I actually ever got onto a track to to run on a track,
2: mm-hmm.
1: we used to race, and it's funny, we would race from telephone pole to telephone pole. Mm-hmm. And if from one telephone pole to the next, which might be 50 meters apart,
2: mm.
1: you you whoever won that, then you race again right. to even the further telephone pole. Next thing you know, we're racing around the whole block, yeah. which is almost, you know, a block is like running a quarter mile.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And we just did that all the time because, yeah. you know... We thought it was fun. Yeah, you know, playing basketball. You know, going out to the park, playing baseball. I mean, we played stickball. Yeah, you know, uh, handball, wall ball. Right, right. We did all type of things athletically, Mm -hmm. and you know, it's always been a part of me.
0: Yeah. Did you play sports in in school too?
1: I played sports in high school. Okay. Football, ran track. Nice in high school. Yes. Where did you go? I went to actually Overbrook High School. I oh, did. Okay, yeah, got yeah, it. Yeah, the home of Will Chamberlain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, Very cool. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it was it was a good experience.
0: Yeah, yeah. for sure. And then, uh, how did you get into coaching United Stars Track Club? How did that start?
1: Actually, it all started with my daughter. Okay. And I'll never forget this. Uh, my daughter. She was. She was about. Five or six
2: okay.
1: at the time. And I took her over to Wendy's yeah. on City Line Avenue mm-hmm. and to get some lunch. And yeah. We were going to Wendy's. And I looked over at St. Joe's and it was a lot going on over mm-hmm. there. And they were having to track me okay. over at St. Joe's. And so I asked my daughter, I said, you know, Tiffany, you know, would you rather be in beauty contestants or would you rather run track? Mm-hmm. And she said, I'd rather run track, Dad. Yeah. And I said, boy, when she said that a big smile came Right, out right, of yeah. Face. <laughs> and, you know, I, that's how I got her into track. To track, yeah. And started taking out, started taking her out there, you mm-hmm. know, just as a parent. Right. And I realized after a few weeks of taking her out there, that they needed help. Okay. And that's when I started.
2: United helping. Stars.
1: I, well, I started helping someone at the time, okay. a gentleman by the name of Nate Wainwright. Okay. He was, the, he was the head coach of the United Stars back then.
2: Got it. Okay. And
1: But it was just him by himself. Yeah. And he might have had about maybe ten or fifteen girls. Okay. Including my daughter. Mm -hmm. And I start helping him out and the rest is history, you Mm -hmm. know, I was doing it from there. And once he retired, then I took over the club Mm -hmm. and you know, I just we just went from there.
0: Right. Really cool. And she went to she crushed it at Mary Mercy, didn't she? Yes. yes, Yeah. yeah. What did she so the four hundred she ran? She
1: actually my daughter could run from the one hundred up to the eight hundred. Wow.
0: Yeah really cool. Yeah. I remember reading about her too. Yes. <laughs> um and where are most of the girls from? All inner city?
1: Uh it it varies. You we had about maybe 60, 50-60% were inner city kids. Mm-hmm. About 30 were 30 or 40 were suburban. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Outside the city. Yeah. You know, and Throughout the history of the program, I mean, we have taken in kids from all races, all nationalities. Mm-hmm. As long as you know, you wanted, you had a desire to want to to run, mm-hmm. to want to compete. Yeah. And what we try to instill with all our kids is that you know you're using track and field as a vehicle mm-hmm. to get a college education. Mm-hmm. And a free college education, right. if possible. Yeah. So, you know, that for us gave them a lot more determination mm-hmm. to want to run because they were running for a goal.
0: Yeah, exactly. It was our ticket. Um, yes. And one um, topic I always like to talk about is the meaning of the word grit. Mm-hmm. So Angela Duckworth, she's from Philly, and she, wor- she wrote the New York Times bestseller, Grit, The Power of Passion and Perseverance. Yes. And she said, to be gritty is to keep putting one foot in front of the other. To be gritty is to hold fast to an interesting and purposeful goal. To be gritty is to invest day after week after year in challenging practice. To be gritty is to fall seven times and rise eight. So I love that quote.
2: Yes.
0: Um, so what does the word grit mean to you, and how did you encourage the young girls to to practice well, grit?
1: Well, f- for me growing up and people's interpretation is different mm-hmm. my interpretation of the word grit came from playing sports growing mm-hmm. up in the streets of Philadelphia mm-hmm. that every day was challenging
2: mm-hmm.
1: i mean you were you were every day that that we played sports or we did any anything, even walking to school sometimes. It yeah. it, it was challenging mm-hmm. because there were there was always someone trying to better you okay at that time. Okay. So you had to be tough mm-hmm. in order to actually survive.
0: You mean competing with one another?
1: Yes. Okay. Yes. It was it was I mean sometimes we would we wound up fighting.
0: Mm-hmm. And this is West Philly, right? This is in
1: okay. West Philly. I, got it. I, I mean, whether we were playing basketball on the court,
2: yeah,
1: you know, and somebody gave somebody a hard foul. Mm-hmm. S- sometimes people would get upset about that.
2: Yeah, right, you right. Know?
1: Or we were playing football in the street
2: mm-hmm.
1: on concrete, and you got tackled a little bit too hard and yeah. thrown down a little bit too hard. Yeah, yeah. People, you know, get a little upset about right that sometimes. Right, right, and right. you had to to learn to be tough in order to survive those some of those situations. Mm-hmm. You know, you couldn't you couldn't be weak right whatsoever. Right right. As far as for me as I grew older and started coaching, I you know you I was always constantly trying to evolve myself, Mm -hmm. trying to learn. Yeah. And what I've learned was that, yes, you have to be tough, but there's certain different levels of toughness that you need to have. Mm -hmm. And I tried to instill within the girls that, you know, hey, look, you're competing in track and field
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and – yeah, you want to win. There's a certain level of toughness that you need to have in order to win. Mm-hmm. If someone pushes you, there's a certain level of toughness that you need to have yeah. to let them know that you're not going to be pushed. Right. There's a certain level of toughness that you need to have to learn that people can't mentally intimidate you. Mm-hmm. So... Trying to teach them these things. Yeah. Yeah, when I was growing up, it wasn't as as violent. But still, you know, there's all different levels of violence. Yeah. And, and you have to learn how to adapt to yeah. those situations.
0: Right. Exactly. Um, and I think grit, you definitely taught me grit. We were talking before we started about I think it was um, one of the Interact track meets. Yes. Um, and I had to, you know, was running against this one girl. My dad was there and you told me the plan. Yes. And I was afraid. Yes. But I had to find the grit. You yes. want to tell yes. that
1: story to Well it. Well, it's, 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 it's funny because you were, even though I knew that you were better, mm-hmm. that you could beat the young lady... I mean, when you get into those situations, a lot of times you, people, you know, athletes let the moment mm-hmm. bring down their level of competition. Right. And you were very nervous mm-hmm. about running it against the young lady because mm-hmm. at that time she was the best in the, in the in inter-act. inter-athlete. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to explain to you that, you know, she might be the best in the inter-athlete but you have run against people who were a lot better than she was. Right. And knowing that you can beat her, mm-hmm. you just have to believe in yourself. And I gave you a game plan of what you needed to do and mm-hmm. what the game plan was. I said, "Listen, just run behind the girl, track the girl, for 400 to 500 meters.
0: And just the listeners know that's the 800s two laps. Yes. So you want to be a track for the first lap, stay behind her a little
1: exactly. bit. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And after 400, between 400 and 500 meters, basically at the 450 meter mark, that's when you make your move mm-hmm. and you go by her. And I told you, once you go by her, don't look back. Mm-hmm. You have to run like far gum. gone right like the wind is you know blowing through your face and you just keep going yeah and what was so funny about that is that your dad was there listening mm-hmm. to yeah. what i was explaining to you and he was nervous for you yeah. also because <laughs> of the fact that he saw that you were so nervous it made him nervous right and he kept he asked me you know ken you sure this is going to work? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm like, look, like, relax. I, yeah. said, I said, this is, she's going to be okay. Yeah, she's yeah. She's going to do this. And when it was time for your race, you executed the race mm-hmm. exactly the way that we talked about. Mm-hmm. And you got to that 450 meter mark, and I yell, yelled at you, take off. You got to yeah. go. And when I did that, you went by her. And you never looked back. Yeah. You kept going. And actually, the you took off so fast and went by her and kept going, she actually gave up. Mm. She gave up. Right, and, right, You know, you ran one of your best times. Yeah. Ever because of I that. I remember that. You know, and yeah. then, and, and the funny thing is, after the race, you were so elated and so happy. Yeah. And, you know, you were, you were... I mean, you were glowing, and I'm like, well, you were supposed to win. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it gave you a lot of confidence.
0: Yeah, for sure. Athlete. Definitely. Yes. Yeah, yeah. They're cool memories I have of my dad, yes, too, yes, which is nice. Yes. Uh, but you instilled that in all the athletes, too, not just me, which is really cool. Yes. All those young girls, you gave them the confidence to execute the plans. Um, and just so listeners know, I I was, ran a two minute and fifteen second eight hundred. But you had girls getting down to two like o eight and below. And, and so faster. I wasn't as fast as yeah and, and faster and, and, yeah and
1: faster. I yeah. had you know one the fastest eight hundred meter runner I've ever had was Chanel Price, mm. and she got down to actually two o one fifty two. Wow. You know and and actually she that's ran. amazing. She uh one year she placed. In the USA Outdoor Championship, she placed, I think it was 6th or 7th right? against the professional athletes mm-hmm. in the United States.
0: Yeah. I remember so, that. Yeah. Really cool. And then the definition of success, in your opinion, what does the word success mean to you? And when you think of the word success, who do you think of? I can be more than one person too. It's,
1: it's, it's a multitude of people. Mm-hmm. I, I mean in In all honesty, the first thing I think of when I think of success, I think of my family mm-hmm. because what they had to go through in life mm-hmm. to get where they got to mm-hmm. to be able to achieve what they achieved right yeah that that is to me that success mm-hmm. uh there's there's all forms of success.
0: When you say your family, your immediate family or your
1: greater. Well, well, well my my immediate family. Okay. You know, when yeah. I was growing up, my mother, my father, my uncles, mm-hmm. aunts, cousins, yeah, grandmother, grandfather.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. They I, came
1: I mean, a long mean, way. Yeah, they they came a long way. Okay. I mean, my grandfather and grandmother were born in. My grandfather was born in 1902. Wow. My grandmother was born in 1905 in the deep south of Georgia. Yeah. And they came from my grandfather's education level was was only up to the 3rd grade. Okay. My grandmother wound up being a high school teacher. Yeah. So her education level was higher, but from what they came from and you're talking about in the early 1900s, yeah. things were really different.
0: Really different, then. yeah.
1: So, you know, the things that we're seeing now mm-hmm. back in the early 1900s, I mean, you really had no say-so right? about what was going on. Was so gone, yeah. to see where they came from back then mm-hmm. up to, you know, me as an adult and being yeah. able to, to think back, you know, the things that they accomplish, yeah, that that's a success. That's success, story. definitely. That's the, you know, I, yeah. I mean, and there's all different types of success. Yeah, I, I mean, I have seen athletes achieve mm. a certain amount of success. Yeah, you know, which is very inspirational.
2: Mm.
1: But you know, it for me, I sit back and I think about you know. The accomplishments of, you know, what my family had to go through. Right. And, you know, what things that they achieved, you know, it's, they're the first ones that I think
0: Yeah. about. Definitely. And your grandchild's how old?
1: My grandson is actually seven months old. Seven
0: months old. Okay. Yeah, yes. Seven so months old. Do you think he'll be growing up in a much different, different world than what well, you guys grew up in? It, do you have hope that it'll be better?
1: I hope... I hope it will get better.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh the only thing that I can do is hope mm-hmm. and pray for that.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh but, you know, I I always tell all the kids, you know, to help yourself to have an opportunity mm-hmm. to be able to achieve right better things for yourself in life. First thing you have to do is you got to get an education. Right. Education is key. Mm-hmm. Education is paramount. You get an education, and you jumpstart your life. Mm-hmm. In general. Generally, yeah. Yes.
0: Which is what you helped do with, you know, sixty of those or so yes, girls, yes. the well, scholarships and, to college,
1: and, e- and and even more. You know, even some kids that didn't go off to college. Mm-hmm. You know, hopefully, you know, they were better off. Being right. in the program and understanding that, you know, education is important. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's for everyone. Yeah. But it it is important.
0: It's a jump start. Yes. Yeah. Yes. For sure. Um, and then um the art of listening, I always talk about mm-hmm. Coach Jay Wright always encourages he always says to his team, You have two years and one math, always listen twice as much as you speak. Yes. So what are your thoughts on on listening? Because well, right now, like I was telling you before we started. You know, white people are have you know we're doing a lot of listening right now. Yes, which yes. is you know long which, which overdue.
1: Is, which is a great thing. Yeah, you know, but it's long overdue though. <laughs> it, it's it's one thing to listen. There's another thing that whatever you're listening to, mm-hmm. that you carry it out, carry it out to yeah. bring it to fruition. Okay. Uh, if within athletics, case in point that when you ran in that interact championship race mm-hmm. years ago and you were very nervous, you were to a degree you were scared. Yeah. And I was definitely scared. <laughs> yeah, and I explained to you what you had to do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you you listened mm-hmm. to everything that I told you to do. Mm-hmm. Well listening and n- if you didn't carry out execute
2: mm-hmm.
1: what you had listened to, then it wouldn't have meant anything Mm -hmm. because you let that fear take over instead of the listening that you heard Mm -hmm. to be able to do what you had to do. Mm -hmm. In these times right now that people are opening their minds, Mm -hmm. opening their ears, opening their hearts, Mm -hmm. and they are listening, Mm -hmm. which is a great thing but it takes more than just listening mm-hmm. then once you listen to you know what's going on
2: mm-hmm.
1: my feeling and this is my feeling now you have to take action
2: you got to execute
1: exactly mm-hmm. you have to execute to make sure that you you're able to do what is necessary to get through that finish line mm-hmm. to make sure this stuff doesn't happen again
2: right ever Exactly. Because yeah. it
1: shouldn't. It should never happen.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it it just should never happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, and this is my belief, we all need each other
2: mm-hmm.
1: in this world. Yeah. We we all oh, we all yeah. need each other. Right. In, in order to in 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 order to be able to survive mm-hmm. in this world. Yeah. So
0: I agree. I think it's gonna be interesting how this summer how it pans out the next mm-hmm. six months to a year. If you know, everyone's listening now, everyone's showing humility, especially yes. corporations you're seeing. Yes. Um, uh, but what what are they what's gonna happen
1: next? Well, what's the next step? well I, I I mean, in in all honesty, within you know, every race there's a certain amount of economic spending. Mm-hmm that they're doing and you know if that's not being done it's it's going to hurt
2: mm-hmm.
1: large corporations and and,
2: right.
1: and if it hurts large corporations now it's going to hurt the economy and it's all it would do is just bring a downward spiral spiral mm-hmm. to everybody right and nobody wants that to happen mm-hmm. so knowing that yes everybody needs to do their part mm-hmm. To make this world a better world. Mm -hmm. And if everyone does their part, we're all going to, you know, in the end, we're all going to benefit. Mm -hmm. The problem is some people, you know, they want to benefit more than others. Mm -hmm. And, And, you know, to me, that I see that's the problem.
0: Right. And then um, what you're doing in life today, I know you're doing personal training, a lot yes. of baseball players. Yes. And feel free to talk about that in case you want to get okay. more clients well, well, and everything. Well,
1: I, I mean, <laughs> I started out coaching track and field. Right. I still do coach track and field. Mm-hmm. Uh, track and field is one of my loves that okay. I love to do. Yeah. But once I stopped coaching the whole team, Then I went into individual coaching. Okay. And over time, I started working with athletes outside of track and field.
2: Okay.
1: Uh, Lacrosse, women and men's lacrosse over at St. Joe's University.
2: Okay.
1: Uh, Softball uh, at St. Joe's University, baseball. Okay. And over time, have gotten a lot of, uh, have worked with, and still working with a lot of uh, high school baseball players. Okay. Uh, getting them quicker, mm-hmm. getting them faster, uh, and also doing some strength training. Nice. Uh, but most, mostly speed training. Okay. To try to get them quicker and faster, because the way athletics is now, it's it's all about speed. Right. And what I do, teaching them how to run faster. It enables them to, as they do get faster, it enables them to be able to get college coaches mm-hmm. more interested in them because all college coaches, they have certain requirements yeah. within their program when they're recruiting, okay. how fast guys need to run. Right. So if I can get guys under seven seconds, under six nine, six okay. eight, for instance, I'm... One of the kids that I'm working with, uh, he goes to Friends Central okay. School. When he first started with me, he was running about an 8'2", okay. 60-yard dash. Got it. Well, now he's running 6'55". Nice.
0: And that gets and, the college
1: coaches. And that gets all the college coaches interested in him. Nice. Actually, he just committed to Yale. Cool. Which, Yale is one of the most prestigious. Mm-hmm. Schools That's in, amazing. In the United States. Well, he's a very good student. Right. But because of the fact that he's a very good baseball player. Yeah. And he just ran 6.55. Right. In the 60-yard dash. Yeah. Where he started at 8.2. Mm-hmm. I mean, Yale was all over him. Just like other, a lot of other schools, but yeah. he decided he committed to Yale.
2: Yeah, And very cool.
1: His athletic ability, as far as baseball is concerned, helped him get into Yale. Yeah, just like you, when you were running, right? And you ran, you know, two fourteen and eight hundred. That helped you get into University of Penn. Mm-hmm. Which exactly. you're using athletics as, as a, vehicle. a
2: vehicle,
1: yeah, to get. A very good education, mm-hmm. exactly, and that's what it's all about. So right. if I can help with that, you know, I feel you know I'm I'm doing my part. Mm-hmm. In what I can do, but Definitely, you know, yeah. it, it's it's nice to be able to work with people one on one in private.
0: Yeah, yes. agreed for sure. Um, well, Coach Ken, this is awesome. Thanks, Coach Ken. You're, High you're five. Welcome. Yes, <laughs>
1: in this pandemic in the, Yeah, Yeah. <laughs>
0: Hi everybody thank you so very much for taking the time to listen to high five success stories to learn more about the podcast feel free to follow me on instagram my handle is at high five success or on facebook you can like high five success stories with steph hayden or i'm also on twitter my handle is at high five hayden and lastly you can subscribe to the newsletter on my website www.stephayden.com and if you get a second i would really appreciate it if you could rate the podcast on itunes Thanks so much.